The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to ending the border crisis is removing all incentives for smuggling women and children. Part of the president's speech there from the White House lawn about the new immigration uh, proposal floated by his administration. And to discuss that uh, proposition and some of the Gallup poll numbers we were talking about and and a lot more about uh, immigration, illegal immigration, Mark Krikorian joins us in studio. What an honor. Mark is the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies. Mark, it's uh, good of you to come by. Good to see you in person. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure. We've talked many, many times through the years. So uh, you want to give us a a brief reaction to the proposal, what you heard yesterday? There's a lot good in there Mm -hmm. because part of it is illegal immigration measures. In other words, plugging these loopholes that are drawing people to the border. That the cartels are well aware of and exploit. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the other part, the one that's gotten more attention, is the legal immigration changes. And the point there is to focus family immigration on just nuclear family, husbands, wives, and little kids, Mm -hmm. and then move all of those green card numbers, basically, into a new merit-based system where they would pick people based on a, you know, a, a point system where you get points for you know, your degree and what you're doing, what your age is, that sort of thing. And then people who make the cut would be able to get in. So all of that I'm for. Mm-hmm. The part that I'm worried about is that this doesn't even have a token reduction in the overall level of immigration. The president's proposal endorses the current 1.1 million new legal immigrants a year. And even a little cut would at least have acknowledged that there's potentially problems 
in a modern society like ours in taking in more than a million people every year from abroad. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm with you on that there ought to be a cut, but your bringing that up introduces the question, what's the proper number? What is healthy? What is productive? What is safe? What what is smart? And just that question has been uh, a taboo in a lot of circles, which is just ridiculous. And in a sense, that debate we need to have. And that's, I mean, even people who don't agree with me, it seems to me, should embrace the idea that if this proposal had had even just a 5% cut, say the visa lottery they also got rid of, which Mm -hmm. is a ridiculous thing. We give away 50,000 green cards at random. If they got rid of that and didn't reallocate those numbers, it would have been a tiny cut, maybe even 4%. But people would then have gotten this debate going. And, you know, I don't think there is a magic number, quite honestly. The way I look at it is zero-based budgeting. You start at zero because... We're a continent-spanning country with a third of a billion people who invented the modern world. I mean, I'm not sure we really need any immigration, but let's have that debate. Mm -hmm. Start at zero, and then which categories of people have such a compelling case to come in that we let them in? Okay, what our theme of the last hour was looking through Gallup polling on immigration and the incredibly distorted view of America's opinions, Americans' opinions that you get through the mainstream media in particular. For instance, 77% of people think that the large number number of illegal immigrants is a critical or important threat to the United States. 77%. If you watch, you know, the mainstream news, you listen to Democratic politicians in particular, you'd get the idea that there's this hardcore of, I don't know, maybe... 30% of the country, most Republicans, are just racists. And those are the only people who want any reformed immigration law. Well, how do you think Trump got elected? I mean, that's kind of what it amounts to, is that not even just the Democrats, but much of the Republican elite just doesn't take this issue seriously. And if that happens long enough, people are going to find somebody else who will take it seriously. And, you know, I mean, look, President, the idea of Donald Trump as president was a joke on The Simpsons years ago. Mm-hmm. Um And so the fact that he came in and basically snatched the presidency out from both the Republican and the Democratic establishment tells you that there was an issue there that drew people to him in a way that the elites just had no idea of. Right. That's well said. And there are things the president says about immigration that I think are just clumsy and ham-handed, and he creates more problems than he needs to create. But those of you who who are constantly throwing around the R-word, racist, about the president, his policies, and his fans, 77% of people said this is a serious problem. And they were getting nothing from the people in D.C. And then Donald Trump said, this is a serious problem. I'm going to do something about it. I mean, that is not a difficult. I mean, you don't need a degree in political science to understand that connection. I don't think the Democrats have learned that lesson, uh, quite frankly. Some of the Republican elite hasn't either. But look at what we're seeing at the border now. We are seeing last month almost 100,000 people who came up because of the loopholes in our law. If you bring a kid with you or if you say the magic word of asylum, mm-hmm. or both. I fear for my life. They let you go into the United States. Now, you won't get your asylum. If you apply for asylum, you'll almost certainly be turned down because these people simply don't qualify. Some do, but very few. But who's going to go looking for you? ICE has enough trouble finding the criminals they want to deport, let alone an ordinary schmo who got turned down for asylum. So that you would think the Democrats would come to the president and say, look, we disagree on a lot, but this... 
this really is an emergency, so let's get together and right. work on it. They're not doing it. They hate Trump so much. They refuse even to do something that's in their own interest, because if this continues at the border for another year, it's going to keep getting worse and worse. There's a limit to what the president can do with the current laws. Mm-hmm. This is going to blow up in the Democrats' face, potentially. Mark Krikorian is the executive director for the Center for Immigration Studies. I've suggested many times that I don't think either party is at all serious. I mean, the, the, the party elders, the, the real you know pilots of the ship, I don't think they're serious at all about solving immigration problems because I think they'd prefer to have the issue. Uh, do you agree or to what extent do you disagree? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's that much forethought involved in it. I think it's more that they're unwilling to take the steps necessary. They're, they're kind of um, stuck in a mindset. You know, give me your tired, your poor, this must be great, and we don't want to think too much about it. And if we take certain steps, our business constituents are going to be angry, or on the Democrats, their left-wing constituents are going to be angry. And so I, I don't think it's quite as premeditated as you suggest. I think it's just an uncomfortable issue. Politicians wish would just go away so it's not dishonesty it's cowardice your defense probably a little bit of both okay all right i think we can compromise on this so my my other theory mark is that if you could assemble 15 randomly selected americans put them in a room within 48 hours they could have reasonable immigration reform I mean, they wouldn't get down to the brass tacks and the subparagraphs and the rest of it, but they could design an immigration system that would make sense and be very, very popular. Probably, but, you know, Congress is capable of that sometimes. What I think the real Show problem me. is, <laughs> the real problem, I think, in that we face now with the Gang of Eight bill from years ago and before that under Bush where they pushed that big amnesty, the problem was a complete lack of trust right. that the elites will follow through on their promises. Because the point always is, look, we're going to amnesty the people who've been here for a long time. And that's a sympathetic argument. I kind of get that, especially if they've been here a long time. They're not murderers and rapists. Mm-hmm. The question is not amnestying the people here now. The question is, are we going to have another amnesty five or 10 or 15 years from now? Exactly. Because we didn't enforce the rules. No one trusts the promises that the politicians are going to enforce the rules starting tomorrow. Mm. What about the DACA recipients? I'm actually kind of a squish on the DACA thing. The problem is, if you just give them their green cards, you know, you legalize them. Because, look, these are kids who are growing up here. There's an argument for that. Sure. How do we make sure there's not another DACA five years from now? Right. Because any deal like that has to have some enforcement measures to try to limit the likelihood of future DACAs happening and has to have some offset or pay for. Because if we're going to give 800,000, 700,000 green cards, extra ones to people, there needs to be eight or 700,000 fewer green cards for other people. These people are getting a special deal. Mm -hmm. Why would we be basically increasing immigration just to give them an amnesty? Are there any racists at the Center for Immigration Studies, or would you tolerate any racists within your organization? Absolutely not. Um, You know, you're really doing a poor job of, of being a monster. Yeah, I try, I try hard. But, so uh, you're, you're fine with the DACA kids staying. You're okay with a path to citizenship as long as there's serious enforcement in the future. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm really, I'm underwhelmed. Yeah, I'm doing white supremacy all wrong. Yeah, you're bad at it. <laughs> I'm telling you, as we've said to the audience so many times, if you are a good person and you have a reasonable, um, a, a, an ethical, a patriotic attitude toward immigration and illegal immigration, don't let anybody call you a racist. Don't be bullied. Do not be bullied into silence. Yeah, that's become a whole lot less 
stinging now. I mean, oh yeah, especially with racist the, all the time. I mean, the Southern Poverty Law Center, for instance, has put us on their uh, hate group list mm. right after President got inaugurated. Nothing changed with us. It was yeah. just a political decision on their part. They're on and, my "you're a joke" list. Yeah, well, and the thing is, they're on more and more people's "you're a joke" list. That's yeah, the thing. yeah. So um, Mark Krikorian has to uh, do another interview with some of our esteemed colleagues. Mark, we could talk to you all day. We sure appreciate the time. It's always a pleasure. Happy to do it. Thanks. Well done. More to come. Armstrong and Getty Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.